the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day. This is uh, Let Us Reason, and uh, I'm your host, Al Fadi, and I have a a really pleasant surprise for all of you with me here in studio, in person, physically. I can touch him, Sam Shamon. Uh, So uh, he has been visiting us here in the Valley, and uh, obviously, whenever Sam is here, we want to take full advantage of that, and uh, we're thankful that he even made time for us uh, to be here with us in studio. So, Sam, welcome, brother. Um, how are things with you since we last met when we did the videos? Yeah, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to invoke the Father to bless us, both you and I, and fill us with the Holy Spirit. Anoint our words to speak truth clearly without error and to sanctify us for the glory of Jesus until every Muslim knee bows and every t- Muslim tongue confesses Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Father, fill us for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Now, to answer your question, I'm surviving by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, hey, brother, praise his holy name. Do you care to just give a brief uh, update to people? Because yes. you've been sending prayer requests a lot and things like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, eventually, it's going to go public. I'm going through, unfortunately, a a marital strife. Um, my wife has walked away from the faith and uh, has decided to divorce. Uh, divorce, And so I'm asking the saints to pray for my two angels. I have two beautiful daughters, eight and five, and I, the Lord Jesus Christ to show up for them, to protect them. Amen. Provide for me during this time and bring conviction to their mother, Michelle. So we're trusting the Lord Jesus because he always stands with us in our trials. He never leaves nor forsakes us. So praise his name. Amen. Thank you for that update, and thank you for uh, really your openness and uh, uh, your courageous uh, attitude, brother, to share openly with people, and we appreciate that. I myself went through something, you know, somewhat similar to what you've been through. Obviously, I cannot really compare my situation to yours, but uh, the Lord is there, brother, and Amen. as you know, of course. So, brother, what um, what would you like us to talk about today? I know it was a short notice, but I know you have a lot of wonderful, exciting topics that you typically uh, try to address in your own shows. Well, what I I like to do is always educate my brothers and sisters in Christ concerning what the Bible teaches in regards to the core doctrines of the Christian faith. And the most essential doctrine is the Trinity, the triunity of God, and the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because as you're dealing with Muslims, and in this program we focus on not just equipping Christians, but equipping them to reach Muslims, because we need to love on them, pray for them, and their salvation— Amen. I wanted to talk about the enthronement of our Lord Jesus Christ as proof of his deity. <clears throat> because according to the New Testament, our Lord Jesus Christ sits enthroned <clears throat> at the right hand of God the Father, ruling over all creation as the sovereign Lord of all things. That in itself is a testimony to his deity, because no one besides the true God 
reigns on heaven's throne over all creation, and yet we see Jesus Christ in union with the Father. <clears throat> we need to emphasize that. Jesus Christ is not the Father, and he's not the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, or, if you prefer, three eternally distinct relationships, because they all relate to one another, love one another, but exist as one God. Now, the reason why I want to focus on that, it's because the Quran itself agrees. The Quran itself agrees that Jesus Christ is enthroned with Allah. Now, again, I need to nuance that. Because as you and I both know, we do not believe that the God of the Quran is the true God revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Quran makes that claim, that the same God who sent Muhammad is the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But on previous shows and in future shows, God willing, we'll continue to disprove that assertion. But that's what I want to talk about, Christ's enthronement, that he sits enthroned. When I say right hand, <clears throat> even though that's an anthropomorphic way of describing God, the Bible's clear that God the Father does appear visibly so that to the inhabitants of heaven, they see the Father visibly. So in that visible appearance, God can appear in such a way where he has hands, he has a body and torso. And just to prove that, so people will say, well, no, the Father cannot be seen, has never been seen. If you don't mind, brother, could you go to Daniel chapter 7? Daniel chapter 7, we're going to go to certain passages right now, and we'll be reading from there. Yes. Daniel 7, verses 9 to 10, and then also verses 13 to 14. So Daniel 7, 9 to 10, comma, 13 to 14. Now, if you go to Daniel 7, 9 to 10, just to affirm that the Bible is clear. God the Father can appear in visible form, and he does so in heaven to the inhabitants of heaven. Now, Daniel 7, 9 to 10, the prophet Daniel in a vision sees who? Uh, he says, uh, as I looked... Thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were open. Now notice it says he saw thrones. Daniel saw something visible, and he saw thrones more than one. Plural. Then, then yes. he says he sees the Ancient of Days. He describes what he looks like, so he sees him visibly. White robe, white woolen hair. But then he says the Ancient of Days occupies only one throne. His throne. Yes, Correct. so it's one throne, even though he saw more than one. So here the Ancient of Days is obviously God, <clears throat> appearing in visible form. In fact, he appears as an elderly person. Right, white hair. Why does he appear that way? To signify that he's ancient. He's quite old. How old? He's eternal. Right. And the older you are, and that doesn't apply always, but it, generally, the older you are, the wiser you are. So he's trying to show that God is an infinitely wise being because he's quite old and he's experienced things that no creature could possibly experience because no creature is timeless. Now, how do I know that's God the Father? Because in the same chapter, verses 13 and 14, Daniel sees another figure who occupies the other throne. Because don't forget, in Daniel 7, 9, it says he saw thrones. Ancient of days occupied only one. Correct. Then who occupies the other? In that same chapter, verses 13 and 14. And I, if you're joining us right now, this is Let Us Readings. And uh, I'm your host, Al-Fadi. And with me here in studio physically, uh, my dear brother, Sam Shimon, whom uh, you've been listening to many of the fabulous and wonderful series we've done together. And by the way, for those who listen to what my brother says about... 
anthropomorphic. I know. Say that five yeah. times fast. <laughs> it's basically he's saying that God uses language that uh, for his crea- uh, creations to understand humans can understand in, in a way that God is describing about himself. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean that's his eternal nature, meaning having hands and having exactly. eyes and having heads. But he's speaking to us in a language we understand. So now we're going to go to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Yes. And here's what uh, the prophet Daniel saying. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not, will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now let's unpack it because it's going to point to the Lord Jesus Christ, because Christ claimed to be the fulfillment of his promise and shows his deity. Notice here you have two figures. Daniel sees another figure, one like a son of man coming in the clouds of heaven, approaching the Ancient of Days. So here, the Ancient of Days is someone other than the Son of Man. Now, before I unpack that, just understand that this Son of Man is no creature. He appears in human form. That's why he's called a Son of Man, because he appears in human form, manifests in a human body. But he's clearly more than human, because not only does he come on the clouds of heaven, and I challenge all those listening, read throughout the entire Hebrew Scriptures, you will not find anyone other than the true God, Yahweh, Jehovah, riding the clouds. In fact, in the ancient Near Eastern thought, the way the ancient Near Eastern people thought, riding the clouds was a divine function. For example, the Canaanites believed that Baal, that false god, that often Israel worshipped in place of the true God, he was known as the writer of the clouds. So this is a divine function. Writing the clouds is something a divine being does. In the Old Testament, it's only Yahweh. And I can give you some references we don't look to, need to look up. For example, you can look at Psalm 103 <clears throat> and read verse 3. Psalm 103, verse 3. Psalm 68, <clears throat> verse 4, and 33 to 34. Psalm 68, verse 4, 33 to 34. Isaiah chapter 19, verse 1. Just write these down, because we're not going to have time to look at them. Isaiah chapter 19, verse 1. And Nahum, the book of Nahum, as Vernon McGee would say, the late great Bible scholar. Nahum chapter 1, verse 3. All those passages affirm Yahweh rides the clouds. In fact, in the Exodus, what did the Israelites see appear to them in the daytime? A pillar of cloud, which then became a pillar of fire to lighten their way. And who was in the cloud? Yahweh. So here the Son of Man rides the cloud, something only God does. Not only that, but he's an eternal king. His kingdom is indestructible. Only God is an eternal king. And then it says all nations must worship him, using the Aramaic verb, pilach, which according to Daniel is the service to worship given to God alone. Right. So here you have the Son of Man worshipped with the worship of God, riding the clouds, which is something God does, and reigns forever like God, because he is God in human form, but he's not the Ancient of Days, is he? No, he's distinct from the Ancient Days. And believe it or not, even the Quran uh, yes. says Allah comes on a cloud. Chapter 2 of the Quran, for, again, for those who want to take notes, Surah Al-Baqarah, we don't need to give the name, but chapter 2, verse 210. Okay. Chapter 2, verse 210 says that the Jews were waiting for Allah to come in the shadows of, shadow of the clouds with the angels. And I'll come back to that in a minute. In chapter 2, verse 210 of the Quran says, Allah, the Jews are waiting for the day of judgment where Allah will come in the shadow of the clouds with the angels and the matter will be settled. I'll, I'll revisit that in a minute. Now, according to the New Testament, who's the Son of Man? Go to Mark 14 if you don't mind. 
when he's being tested or questioned by the high priest. Mark 14, 61 to 62. And this is a very powerful uh, encounter. Yes. Mark 14, 61, 62, the high priest, what does he ask the Lord Jesus Christ under oath? So the high priest here, the high priest of Israel, is asking our Lord Jesus Christ during the trial, he says, but Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Mm -hmm. And here's the answer, verse 62, I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Did you catch who Jesus claimed to be? He says to him, you will perceive and understand that I am the Son of Man who sits enthroned at God's right hand, the right hand of power. We'll revisit that in a minute. Coming with the clouds of heaven. So clearly Jesus is that Son of Man. He's the Son of Man who sits enthroned at the right hand of God in heaven and will eventually come in the clouds of heaven for judgment. Now, here's my question. If Jesus is that son of man that Daniel saw, <clears throat> excuse me, then who's the ancient of days that Daniel saw? Because the, the ancient days can't be Jesus, right? The father. So then here you have biblical proof that the father can be seen visibly. So I just wanted to make sure. So here we kill two birds, one stone. We show that the father can appear visibly, especially to the inhabitants of heaven, and that Jesus Christ sits enthroned with the father. Christ's enthronement is proof of his deity. The reason why I say that is both the Hebrew Scriptures, as well as the Quran, and the reason why we're making appeal to the Quran is for the benefit of the Muslims to see that by claiming to be this Son of Man that Daniel saw, and for Daniel to see the Son of Man, is affirmation of two important facts. This is something you need to hammer for the Muslims. Number one, Jesus is claiming to be God in the flesh, though he's not the Father. Number two, you have an Old Testament prophet, Daniel is a prophet who wrote before Jesus Christ was born from his blessed mother in the power of the Holy Spirit. You have an Old Testament prophet affirming God exists as a plurality of divine persons, so that Daniel is not a Unitarian. He does not believe God is unipersonal because he sees the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man both are fully divine figures distinct from one another. Now, Daniel's also a monotheist. Because Daniel was a devout follower of the Mosaic Law. And we know this, again, we're not going to look at it, but I'll just give the references. I want the audience to read Daniel chapter 9, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> specifically Daniel chapter 9, verse 11 and 13. Daniel chapter 9, verse 11 and 13, because there Daniel makes reference to the Law of Moses. So he's familiar with the Pentateuch, or the Torah in Hebrew what we call the first five books of Moses. Why is that important? Because Daniel would have known and recited Dan, uh, Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh, our God, Yahweh is one. So he knows that the one God of Israel, the God of Israel is one, and yet here he sees that this one God exists as more than one person. So now the Muslims have a problem here. If an Old Testament prophet affirms that God exists as a plurality of divine persons, which the New Testament concurs with because it identifies that second divine figure as Jesus Christ. That means Muhammad cannot be a prophet and the Quran cannot be the word of the true God revealed in Jesus because Muhammad denies all of that. He denies that Jesus is God in the flesh. At least there are passages that deny that. And he denies that his God exists as a plurality of divine persons, or at least that's what Muslim scholars tell us. So this is a lot of information that our Christian brothers and sisters can use in their witness to the Muslims. Now, that said, I want to look at why the enthronement of Christ proves that he is God. Number one, 
from his position in heaven, he reigns as Lord over all. And number two, from his position in heaven, he is worshipped and is supposed to be worshipped by every creature in existence. Now, brother, if you don't mind, <clears throat> I would like you to turn to two passages. First, we're going to turn to Acts 2, 10, 36. Acts 10, 36. And the other one will be in Revelation chapter 5. But first, let's see Acts 10, 36. See what it says there. Peter preaching to Cornelius. What does he say about our Lord Jesus Christ? In verse 36 of the book of Acts, chapter 10, this is what Peter is telling Cornelius. He says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Lord, Jesus is what? Lord of all. Now, as far as the Old Testament's concerned, you only have one Lord reigning in heaven over all creation, and that's Yahweh. As a cross-reference to this, this again, we're not going to look at it. For those of you who want to do more research, go to Psalm 123, verses 1 to 2. Psalm 123, verses 1 to 2. You can also look up Psalm 73, 25. Those passages clearly teach that a true follower and believer in God has no one other than God in heaven. Psalm 73, 25 says, Who do I have in heaven besides you? Answer, no one. Psalm 123 says that all true worshipers of God look to God in heaven as their Lord, only Him. Amen. And then the Lord Himself confirmed that. If you go to Matthew 6, <clears throat> you don't need to turn there, but again, if you go to Matthew 6, 24, our Lord clearly says you cannot have two lords. The Greek word is Lord, the plural form, even though some translations render as master. You cannot have two lords, for you're going to love one and hate the other. And yet, here, Jesus Christ is the Lord in heaven who reigns as Lord over all, and yet he's not the Father. Now, either we have a contradiction, or somehow <clears throat> these passages are pointing to the fact that the one supreme Lord, the one supreme God, is more than one person. So yes, it is one Lord, but that one Lord exists as more than one person. That one Lord is the Father and the Son in union with the Holy Spirit. So by saying that Jesus is Lord of all, and that he reigns as Lord from heaven, Jesus must be the God of heaven and earth. Otherwise, he cannot be Lord over all creation, especially from heaven's throne, Amen. when that throne belongs to God alone. Now, Revelation chapter 5. This is an amazing chapter. Now, <clears throat> I, do, I do encourage those listening to read Revelation 4 and 5 together. Read chapter 4 and chapter 5, because again you have another visible appearance of God in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 4 and 5, John in the Spirit is transported to heaven. As you go to Revelation 5, we're going to pick it up at 8 in a minute. John in the Spirit is transported to heaven, and there he sees a throne, and he sees a figure on the throne appearing visibly. And then he sees that there is a scroll in the right hand of that figure. Now, how do we know it's God the Father? Because in the next chapter, Revelation 5, John sees Jesus appear as a young lamb, a male lamb, as though it had been slain, taking the scroll out of the right hand of him on the throne. So if Jesus is the lamb, and then he reaches out and takes the scroll out of the right hand of the one on the throne, that means the one on the throne is not Jesus. That's right. Two distinct persons. Yes. And if that's Jesus the Son, then the then Father. Then who's that? So again, the Father appears visibly? Absolutely. There you go. Now, from heaven's throne, Jesus is worshipped to the same degree, to the same extent that the Father is, and he's supposed to be worshipped and eventually will be worshipped by every creature, which includes Muhammad. Pick it up, if you don't mind, at verse 8, Revelation 5. Verse 8. Okay. All the way to 14. <clears throat> and when he had taken it, 
the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Uh, Keep going here from all the way. You're going to see what happens here. And they sang a new song, saying, You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Mm. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Who are they singing to? The Lamb. 24 elders, four living creatures, heavenly creatures in heaven are singing to Jesus in worship. Not only them, notice who joins them in verse 11. In verse 11, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne, singular, yes, and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Did you catch it now? The whole angelic host, every single angel is now singing the praise of the Lamb. Notice where this is taking place. In heaven, right before the presence of the Father. The one place that God will not tolerate idolatry would be in his own heavenly presence. And here the Father is permitting the entire heavenly host, to honor and glorify and worship the Lamb, His Son. Now, here it's where the knockout comes. Now, I do want to encourage the Christian brothers and sisters listening to use verse 13, not just for Muslims, but for Joe's witnesses and Unitarians who deny that Jesus is God, because in verse 13, here you're going to see something amazing. John exhausts the language to separate Jesus from the entire creation, uniting Him to God the Father. Notice 13, how he begins. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. Some creatures? All. And notice he exhausts language just in case you don't get it. Every creature everywhere imaginable. John wants you to get it. Look, I'm not excluding anyone. Every creature in the entire creation, I heard them. And what did they say? To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Wow, you blew me away right there. I had to stop you. You're saying every creature in existence didn't just say to him on the throne, God the Father, and to the Lamb. That's right. And what do they say to the Father and the Son? Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. So, wow, you're telling me every creature in existence is praising, glorifying the Lamb, Jesus Christ the Son, in the same way, to the same extent that they are glorifying the Father. That's what you just read. Amen. And not for some time, they say, forever and ever the Lamb is worthy to receive the same glory and power and praise and blessing that the Father receives. Now, here's why this is amazing. If Jesus is a mere creature, then he would automatically be included with every created thing. He'd be on their side of the creator-creation divide, worshiping God. But instead... John separates, distinguishes Jesus from every created thing and places him on the creator side of the creator-creation divide. Meaning, Jesus, like the Father, is uncreated, eternal, beginningless, which is why, like the Father, he is worthy of the praise of every created thing. You don't get more explicit that Jesus is God Almighty, 
beginningless, one with the Father, separate from creation. And that's why, as the Lord of all creation, he is worthy of the same praise. So praise the Lord Jesus. His enthronement proves he's God. And finally, where does the Quran say that Jesus sits enthroned? Here are the references. Chapter 3, verse 55 of the Quran. Chapter 4, verse 158. It says that Allah took Jesus, in 355, 4158, Allah took Jesus to himself. Ask the Muslim, where is Allah? Above creation on his throne. That means Jesus is with Allah above creation on the throne. You don't get any more explicit. Amen. And, uh, you know, uh, it's amazing, brother. That's what I love about you. And by the way, uh, my dear brother here, uh, I, I owe my apologetic skills Praise to the him. Lord. Uh, oh, the Lord, Lord has Jesus. used him in my life and my ministry and continues to do so. Uh, obviously, this is very exciting. We want to continue next week. So we're approaching the end of our show. And just to let you know, myself, Sam, and also our dear brother, uh, David Wood, uh, we did a number of videos. We called it the Scripture Twisting 101. We'll give you an update on that in the next week. And if you just tuned in, this was Let Us Reason, uh, a, another one of those episodes with my dear brother Sam Shimon, who is with me here in person. And next week, we will continue talking about the enthronement of Christ and his deity. Until we meet again, have a blessed day. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.